Nehemiah. We'll start our Advent series uh, in a couple of weeks. But as we think about the book of Nehemiah, if you have been reading along with us, we're in chapter 4 this morning. And in Nehemiah chapter 4 is a very interesting portion of Scripture. You know, there are some verses in there that's like, yeah, we know that verse. Like, that's, a, that's an encouragement verse. Uh, there was a song uh, that had the chorus, you know, over halfway there. And, you know, how do you know, how many of you know that when you're only halfway somewhere, you haven't really arrived yet? Um, you know, I was going to put a bigger picture of a football field, but I figured, you know what, uh, we'll just put this one. Because you're halfway. You know, nobody plays a, a, a field sport and says, well, we made it halfway, even if you play hockey. Nobody celebrates when you get past center ice. Like, you don't say, yeah, we did it. We got halfway there. And, and in the book of Nehemiah, they're at that place where they're wanting to celebrate, where they're looking at it and saying, we're halfway. And they were encouraged that they were halfway. In verse 6, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6 they said this, so we built the wall and the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. That's kind of a yeah, yeah moment, like right on. We, we worked hard. We built this wall halfway. We got it. Interesting though. You come from a, a verse of celebrating like we did it halfway. We got there. Well, you didn't get there. You got halfway. But they were kind of in a bit of an up. They were kind of encouraged. And then just a few verses later in verse 10, it said, in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we'll not be able to rebuild the wall. Interesting, from four verses on. Just four verses later. Hey, we built the wall halfway there. We did it. We, we, we got this job halfway done. And then they're like, I don't think we can do it. There's just too much rubble. There's too much stuff going on. Like, it's, it's ain't going to happen. Sometimes what happens... You know, it happens in their hearts as well. They get to the place of rebuilding their hearts and their walls, and it's like, oh, God. How many of you are praying for God to change your life? Yeah? It should be all of us, right? Like double hands. That God mold me into the man you want me to be. And they would say, why? Why am I not there yet? Like, why am I halfway? Why do I feel like a work in progress? Because we're all works in progress. The, the, the great verse, and one of the verses I think was when we graduated from Bible college, we all had to put a verse beside of our picture. And, and mine was, he who had begun a good work in you is faithful to complete until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, we'd like to be someplace completed, but we are all in progress. We are all in progress. We are all... God is developing us, molding us, and shaping our lives 
to who He wants us to be. Because we're only halfway. And that doesn't mean to discourage us. That doesn't say, well, I guess we sit down. I, I, I don't know what... I don't like anything just half done. Anybody eating a pizza where it's just half cooked? Yeah, yeah, we did that. It's kind of doughy, right? It's like, mmm, I don't like this anymore. You know, our pasta, you cook pasta halfway and it still stands up straight if it's spaghetti. You know, it's like, this is supposed to be al dente, but this is like undone. You know, we struggle with things that are halfway. We don't like halfway. We, we don't like halfway anything. You see, the first thing, and I got five points this morning, is there was a loss of strength. There was a loss of strength. There's a certain type of weariness, of frustration that settles into anything when you're only halfway completed. I remember when we would take our kids and we'd go on a road trip. And we would, we would be traveling down the road and it didn't matter how far it was, whether it was only two hours away or whether it, when we drove one time from southern Manitoba where we pastored to Disney World in Florida, which was like 28 hours of driving, little troopers. You know, we thought it would be fun to pack them in the car for you know, two, two and a half full days of driving. You know, but you get driving down the road again, whether it's only two hours. And he's like, well, are we there yet? No, we're halfway. Oh, ain't nothing worse to hear than that, is there? We're only halfway. We didn't get there yet. We, we haven't arrived. And, and in the mind of a kid, I've, I was there. I remember asking my parents that often when we would travel. Are we there yet? No, we're halfway. Oh, there's nothing worse than to hear that you're just halfway. Because now you've, you're bored. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I bugged my brother. I bugged my sister. You know, that took me half the trip, and now I'm bugging my parents. Because there's a kind of a weariness that settles in. There's a frustration that settles in. And when you're only halfway... When you're halfway into a project, those of you who are doing a project of any kind, the thrill's kind of worn off when you're halfway. When we bought our first house that we ever purchased in, in Killarney, Manitoba, where we pastored at one time, we bought this house and we renovated it right from top to bottom. It was a built in 1979. Nothing had been done when we moved in. And it was kind of like a museum. You know, you bought this old house, and it's like, let's just tear this out. And you start with some vigor, and it's like, yeah, we're going to just rip some stuff out. We're going we're gonna to pull this old carpet out. It was, it was ugly. You know, we're going to tear these walls out. We're going to move all this garbage out of here, this flooring that's probably got asbestos in it. We're going to just cover that up for the next owner. But we, we looked at all this stuff and said, we're halfway. You know, the excitement kind of wore off. Because you can tear a lot of stuff out of a house. Keith Pelley's been renovating. It's like, you know, you start in. It's like, yeah, I'm going to tear this apart. Tell you what, when you're done tearing it apart, you're like, I'm done. But you're only halfway done. 
I mean, you can't just be in the demolition business if you're trying to build homes. If you're trying to renovate homes, it's, nobody's going to hire you if you say, we tear it out really well. We don't put it back together, but we can make the mess. You know, you're kind of far enough along this. Like, excitement's wore off. It's not as thrilling as it once was. Listen, it's important that we understand this stretch to the rebuilding process. It's important that we know how to run this leg of the race because much of our races ran in this spot of being halfway there. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. I remember an older gentleman in the one church that we pastored in, and he was old in, in hospital and said, Pastor, I just want to just go be with Jesus. I said, yeah, I understand. I said, but God has you here for a purpose. And as long as you have breath, God has you here for a reason and a purpose. Maybe there's somebody's life you need to talk to. Maybe there's somebody that you need to encourage. Maybe there's somebody that you need to share faith with. Like, yeah, but I want to just go home. I said, you never know. God's not done with you yet. You know, and how many of you know when you're tired and you're weary, and, and he was a saint in the Lord, I mean, he loved Jesus for like 90 plus years, and it's like, I want to just go to be with glory. Like, yeah, but God ain't done with you. He went from his deathbed to out of the hospital and was out of the hospital for two more years. It's like, when God is done with you, he's done. But until that point, he's not done with you. We're still in that process. We're still in that journey. Halfway through, anything is a discouraging time. It's usually where we become aware of, of our loss of strength. You know, almost any task, almost any task is larger than you anticipated at first. That honey-do list that you've made that thing that you'll, I'll get around to one of these days list. Yeah. I would be nothing just to check that off the list. Then you get into it and it's like, hmm. Yeah, it's bigger than we thought it was going to be. You see, as they're rebuilding this wall, not only was there a loss of strength, there was a loss of vision. There was a loss of vision. They couldn't quite see what was going on. They were, they were like, oh, we're weary. We're tired. We just don't get it. In Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 10, it says this, In Judah it was said that the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Your hearts go out to these people. The walls around Jerusalem have been broken. They've been destroyed. And they're at that place where they're like, I don't think we can do this. I just don't know if we can get there. I, like we're, we're done. We're spent. You can hear it in their voices. There's just so much rubble. There's just so much rubbish. There's so much things that have to be dealt with. It just didn't seem like we got anywhere. 
they get discouraged. Maybe that's true with you as you look at your own life as well. Maybe you say, Pastor, I pray to be a man and woman of God, but it just seems like there's stuff that I need to continue to work on. It just seems like, you know, five steps forward and and three back. It just seems like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making the progress that I want to make, that I should be making. You see, they were at that place where they had the mind to work. We read that in verse 6. But now they're at the place where like, there's too much rubbish. There's too, too much stuff. We don't think we can see our way out of it. They were excited to get going at the task, and I'm sure that's the same way you and I are when we want to get our lives corrected with God. We say, God, I want to work on this. I want to be the man, the woman that you've called me to be. I'm going to work on these things. I'm going to start reading my Bible. Maybe you make that commitment in January 1, and by January 7, you're like, I don't think I can get there. We start off well. We all do, but I don't think we finish well on our own strength. We need Holy Spirit to help us. Because you can't, we get to the place where it's like, oh, I can't make it. God says, you can do it. You can make it. In verse 11 of Nehemiah 4, this is actually the wall in Jerusalem. Pretty amazing. When you stand there and you look at it. Now these walls, if if you know anything about history of Israel, these walls have been broken down a number of times. But as they're rebuilding this wall during Nehemiah's time, they're like, we got halfway. It says this, also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them. And we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Ooh. Not what you want to hear when you're rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, is it? Verse 12. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over. These are good friends, aren't they? Ten times they told them. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Like ten times. You know, you give me bad news once and I'm like, Ugh. But you tell me ten times over this bad news, you're going to just wish that you could turn the channel. He's like, I don't want to hear this anymore. This is, this is not encouragement. This is not something that's like, yes, thank you for that. Ten times over. You ain't going to do it. You're not going to repair it. You see, understand this in your life. Never miss the plan of the enemy. God has a plan for your life, but the enemy of your soul, he also has a plan for your life to destroy you. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. That's his plan for you. God's plan, however, is much, much different. His plan is to give you life, life abundantly. His plan is to use you and bless you and to make, to make you great. They're getting to the place where they're like, I don't think we can rebuild this wall. 
Now, there was absolutely no reason for them to say that. There was no reason for them to say, I don't think we can get there. Why? Because when they put their mind to it, they built half that wall. When they said, you know what, as long as we stay focused, we can build half this wall. I don't think there was a reason for them to say, I don't think we can ever get there. They weren't trying to build a 13-story skyscraper with a 12-foot ladder. They could look at it and say, you know what, we did half of it. We can keep going. There was not a lot of reasons for them to be discouraged other than they lost their focus. They lost their vision. The task wasn't impossible. There's a much more important lesson here. You see, in your life and in my life, if we listen to every argument, if you entertain every complaint, if you second-guess the whole task every time doubt rises, not only will you be more likely to give up and quit, you'll not, only be, you'll not even be able to see any progress that you've already made. That's what the enemy of your soul would like to keep you focused on. That's the kind of spiritual blindness that's very damaging and precisely is the thing that keeps us from seeing the progress. Think about your life. You're praying. You're saying, God, make me the man, the woman that you want me to be. And wherever you are right now on that pendulum, on that, that line, I know this. If you've prayed a prayer like that, if you've prayed that honestly, you're not what you used to be. You're not who you used to be. God is moving your life along. There is growth happening. There are things that are shaping up. There are things that are maturing in your life. So don't say, well, I, I, nothing's changing. If you honestly believed and have said, God, would you change me? Would you mold me? Would you shape me? You're not who you were. I thank the Lord that I'm not who I was before coming to faith in Him. Not that I was horrible. But there was things that God had to work on me. And I thank God that I'm not who I used to be. You see, these encouragers, they want to come along every once in a while and say, you know what, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Ten times over. I want you to listen to God and say, God's saying, I, I'm going to continue to use you. I'm going to use you regardless of who you are and what you've done. If you just yield your life to me. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. But I want you to notice something with this verse. You have to have conviction. Because it talks about earnestly seeking Him. It's not just like, okay, God, I prayed. Okay, now like, you, it's not a debit machine. It's not like you put the card in and money comes out. Only if you have money does money come out, though. 
right? If you have nothing in the bank, you can put your card in a hundred times and they're going to be like, nothing. You can't just punch in imaginary numbers. We think that with God sometimes. We say, God, I, I, I've prayed. So where is it? God says, you know what? It, there's, a, there's a word there about earnestly. About being com committed, about saying, you know what? That's, I'm just stuck on you. I know, God, that you will answer. I know, God, that you will bring it through. I have a conviction. And a conviction is an absolute requirement of people of faith. You see, if you just pray, then answers come instantly. You don't really have faith. You have a God that's just like a genie in a bottle. You rub the bottle and you got a you, you know, you got a wish. Faith is saying, you know what, God, I believe you, and it, you will bring the answer in your time. That's how faith is built up, isn't it? When we have a conviction, we say, God, I trust you. I trust you, God, that you can do it. You see, not only do you believe in God's existence, you believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We have it wrong sometimes. We think that God is just here to, to make me rich. God isn't here to change the numbers in your bank account. There's so much more that God wants to make you rich in. There's so much more. If it's just about numbers in your bank account, then you would spend nothing and just eat salted crackers. God has so much more in store for you than just a bank account balance. Don't limit him. Why? Why is it faith that God rewards those? Why is it so vigorously commanded? Why does he say, you know what, if you will earnestly seek me, because God wants you to seek Him with your whole heart, with your whole being. Why do we have to hold this conviction? Because it's one of the most fundamental and important principles you can learn. You must, as the writer of Hebrews insists, cling to the belief that God is a rewarder. Because He doesn't always appear to be a rewarder, does He? You know, you pray... Say, God, I need this. Open your eyes and nothing's changed. Hey, God, would you move in this circumstance, in this situation? And you open your eyes and I'm like, nothing's changed. You see, faith believes that God knows the answer that is best. Not just the one that you and I want. Oh. When, when our faith in God is dependent upon ex that we get exactly what, what we asked for, that's not faith. Faith is saying, God, I trust you that you will supply exactly what I have need of. We, we have it mixed up sometimes. If we always had immediately the proof that God is a rewarder of faith, Faith wouldn't even be necessary. Conviction is the essence of faith in God. We have to have a conviction that when we prayed, God answers prayer. Amen? We have to hold to that faith, to that conviction that God, you are in control. I'm not in control. 
He is. He is. You have to hold on to certain truths about Him. One of the truths that is essential to our walk of faith is that God is a good God. Amen? You know, we, we, get, and we get into that place where we say God is a good God. And we used to say that phrase, God is good, and all the time. It's like, oh, how many times did I hear that? And then we get it mixed up. It's like, well, but is he? Because why does bad things happen sometimes? God's a good God. Why did this happen? Why did that go that way? Well, because God is not good according to your dictionary. God's goodness isn't defined by you. It's defined by Him. Defined by His Word. He is a good God. He does know what we have need of. And He's never late. He's never late. God loves to reward those who seek Him. He's out to bless your life. If you are sincerely seeking God, if you are honestly desiring to walk in His ways, then He's out to reward your life. Why and how do I know? Because my Bible tells me so. It may not be that moment. It may not be that day. It might not even be that year. But God rewards God rewards faithfulness. You see, sometimes we, we think about the seeds of life that we plant, the, the faith that we plant into somebody else's life, and we say, well, where's the growth? It's not yours anyways. He's the Lord of the harvest. Right? He's the Lord of the harvest. So as you share your faith, as you share your life, and you're planting seeds, we say, Father, I trust that you're going to bring growth. And he does. He literally does. And we just say, God, I thank you that you work. You work beyond what I can see or imagine or what I can dream, what I can plan, what I can scheme. God, you are, you are bigger than this. You're bigger than this. Always, always factor God's faithfulness and reward into your future circumstances. God rewards. That's better than any points card you could ever have. God's reward. But please don't say God can only reward you one way. Please don't limit him and say, God, the only way you can reward me is this. You think, God, the only way you can reward me if my bank account balance grows. What if God wants to give you gold bars? You can't put that in your bank. Oh, yeah. What if he wants to give you a platinum? Oh, yeah. What if he wants to just give you a tin? Oh, that too. What if he just wants to give you peace? What if he just wants to give you joy? Oh, oh, yeah. What if he just wants to bless you with long life? Oh, yeah, that too. Like, let's not sell God short. Let's not say, because the only way you can bless me is this. God wants to bless you. Now let him bless you how he wants to. The third thing, trust me, the next 
few points are shorter than the last. I like this. I was thinking of getting that for the side of the wall at the church. <laughs> this is a sign you've been looking for. If you know somebody who does neon work, wouldn't that be great on the outside of the church? People saying, I need a sign. There it is. <laughs> this is the one. That, I think that'd be just so amazing on the exterior of this building. Yeah. So yeah, this is the sign you've been looking for. You see, Nehemiah takes these, their attention and he turns it back to God. He says, you know what? You've got you to keep focused. You've got to get your attention back to God. In verse 9 and verse 14, it says, And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. And I looked and aroused. And I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember, they were just hearing these ten times they're coming for you. Ten times they got you. I said, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who's great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember the Lord. Remember. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. Yeah. I don't know what you're going through, what you have gone through. Remember the Lord. God is a good God. He's not brought you this far to leave you where you are. He's not brought your life this far to say, ah, halfway is good enough. No. No. You see, they were all inspired at the beginning. But now it's halfway through, to, through the task, and Nehemiah is a good leader. He knows the particular danger is rather of just being at the halfway point. He says, you know what? We're halfway. But halfway isn't there yet. Halfway isn't completed. When you're halfway into the project, it's easy to lose sight of what you started off doing in the first place. We need to be constantly recalled and reminded of our attention to God, that God is there. So Nehemiah calls them back from discouraging enemies and says, you know what? Keep focused. This is what you've been looking for. This is the sign that God is with you you. My best efforts, your best efforts will only take us halfway. I can do something and I can start off halfway, but it's going to take God's help for me to continue to go. I can start something and I can say, yeah, I can do it. But I need God's help to keep going the rest of the way. Amen? We need to get back to God. Again and again. And this never just comes to an end. Because constantly he wants to renew your life. Constantly and continually he wants to strengthen you. You say, well, I was strengthened once. No, God wants to strengthen you always. Why? Because how many of you know he's not just done with you? 
You prayed five years ago that God would strengthen your life. You think, well, that was good. But God isn't done with you. God wants to continue to strengthen you. God wants to continue to mold and shape your life so that you'd be the man and woman that he's called you to be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says this. So we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Oh, I like that verse. You see, though outwardly we are getting older, chatting with my friend Alphonse this morning, outwardly we are getting older, but inwardly we're being renewed. We're being renewed. It has nothing to do with the age of your driver's license. It has everything to do with what God will do in your heart. You know, there are all things, every single one of us across this room, unless you're like this big. We can't do some of the things we used to do. You know, when I was 10, 15, 20, yeah, I used to do different things then than I do now. You know, a bit more limber. You know, joints didn't hurt. They don't, didn't ache when the weather changed. The frost comes in, it's like, oh, weather's changing. You know, so, although we get older, can you put that verse up there again, please, Carol? We don't lose heart. Outwardly, we, yeah, things change. But inwardly, God wants to continue to renew you. God wants to continue to give you strength. God wants to continue to touch your life. It doesn't, it has nothing to do with the age that's on your driver's license. God wants to continue to strengthen you. God wants to continue to use you. The fourth point is this is that Nehemiah turns their minds to the great issues at stake in their future. You see the future is at stake. The future is now. He reminds them in verses 13, it says this. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest parts of the points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by the families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. We read that verse already. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You can see how Holy Spirit is working through Nehemiah here. It's not enough just to shun the voice of the enemy. There are things here that are at stake that are crucial for them. Nehemiah reminds them why they started rebuilding that wall in the first place. Because it isn't just about you. Ooh. Did you know that you don't live the Christian life just for you? You're not supposed to anyways. As 
Nehemiah is telling them about rebuilding the wall, he says, you know what? Keep this in mind. It's for your families, for your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. It's for those who come after. It's for the generations that are yet to come. It's for the little ones that are playing on the chairs even now. It's about them and not about us only. We have to look beyond ourselves. Say, so you know what? I pray that one of these days as we don't know when the Lord's returning. It could be a hundred years from now. But in a hundred years from now, I hope and pray that great-grandkids that come somewhere along the line say, you know what? I remember the story of how my grandma and my grandpa loved Jesus and they were sold out to Him. I remember the stories that they passed on of how God honored and how God was faithful despite of what went on. Oh, I pray for those testimonies that will far outlive every single one of us. But they'll say, yeah, they were faithful. You know, they, they held true to the Word of God. They didn't neglect the Word of God. They held fast to it. They clung on to the Scriptures. That's why they're rebuilding the wall. They're not rebuilding the wall just for them. It was for those who would come after. That's why here at LGF we preach the Word of God. Why? Because it's not just about us. It's about those who come after. We need to know the Word of God. You see, there's precious benefits to this project. I, I might give up on working on something, but if you tell me that it's not just about me, it's about my kids and grandkids that are not even born yet, I'm going to keep going. Right? If it's just about me, I'm like, ah, this is good enough. But if I'm building a faith-filled future, it's about those who come behind me. It's about those who are yet to be here. Say, so you know what? I want, to, I want to live a life that's right, a life that's a good example, a life that leads them to Christ. Because it isn't just about me. If it's about me when times get tough and times get trying, I'm like, ah, I'm good, okay, I'm okay here. Take me to glory, Jesus. You know, come get me. But if I'm living my life for those who will come after, I will live differently. If I'm living my life for those who have not yet been born, I will live differently. Nehemiah points to the reason for the wall. You see, that's true in our lives as well. It's easy to see all the bits and the pieces of the Christian life as mere duty. It's easy to see them just as, oh, work that has to be done. A wall that's got to get rebuilt. It's easy to see it just as a task to check off a list. But that's when we've lost focus. You're not just living your life for you. Grandma, grandpa that's in the room today, it's for your grandkids. For those great grandkids that are yet to come. That's why you set the example. That's why you live the life. 
for those who come after us. It's about the little ones that are in the nursery. And you know what, God, I want their life to have a good example. If we just see the, the pieces, it's like, ah. But if we see the long-term goal, saying, God, we want to have a faith community in this city, in this region, in this neighborhood that loves Jesus, then it's not just about you and me. That's what Nehemiah does here. Don't just see the work. Don't just see the investment that we're making. Don't just see the here and the now. See the goal of the work. We can get bogged down with that, can't we? We can get bogged down with that. I'm just being honest with you as a, as a pastor. Sometimes we look at, it, at the budget and we say, yeah, we have a mortgage. We can get bogged down with it. Oh, that mortgage. Oh, that mortgage. Mm-mm. Change your perspective. It's not about a mortgage payment. It's about people coming to faith in Christ. It's about lives that are changed. It's, it's not about the budget that we make as a church. It's about people finding Jesus. Isn't it? It's about lives being changed and transformed. Oh, we thank God for this beautiful building. Because my hope and prayer that it's still here in 60 years and somebody else is still coming to faith in Christ because of our faithfulness and keeping this and being good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. But it isn't about this shell of a building, is it? It's about our witness. It's about our faithfulness. And my hope and prayer is that our faithfulness will far outlast anything that this earth could give us. The fifth point is this. Don't you never, 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 never. We're going to keep going. Ever, 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 ever give up. Don't give up. That didn't spell strong right, but that's okay. Don't give up. Never, ever, ever. Don't give up. says, you know what, stay focused. In verses 19 and 20. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. We are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Did you know God is at work? God is at work. Sometimes when you just look around us, we say, well, what's really going on anyways? There's a, a, an, an app that some churches are using for their live streaming during this COVID time. 
put up by Life Church, Craig Gorshell's church. And they've been tracking how many people have come to faith since COVID. Any guess? Globally, who's ever using this one particular app? Over a million. Over a million. You see, when you only look at your portion of the wall, you say, ah, we got to wear these. When we look with different eyes, we say, over a million people have come to faith since March. Wow. And some have come to faith in our church as well. Some have come to faith by watching our live stream as well. Over a million lives have come to faith in Christ. You see, when you only look at your section of the wall, if, if they could have had a bird's eye view of Jerusalem, I don't know if those of you have been to Jerusalem or to Israel, if you, when you went to Jerusalem, I think it's at the museum where they got the, the scrolls and outside they got a diorama of, of the city of Jerusalem. Amazing, isn't it? I want to just take that thing home with me and pack it up. It's just like, gives you just a different perspective. But if they could have had a bird's eye view looking down, they would have said, you know what? Work is happening all around us. Work is happening all around us. We're not the only ones working. We're not the only ones doing it. LGF? We are part of God's family. We don't make up all of God's family. It doesn't just stop here with us. It doesn't just like, okay, well, this is it. Globally, God is doing something beyond us. Again, just with one app, and that's only one example. Over a million have come to faith in Christ. Hmm. Sometimes we just see our stuff, don't we? Sometimes we just are missing the full picture. And that's what he's trying to remind them, Nehemiah is. Because much of the work takes place while we're apart. We won't know. We won't know the result of any of our Christian life until one of these days when we get to glory. You see, because if you've moved cities, if you've changed, you know, networks or, or circles of influence, you might get to glory in one of these days and find out that your neighbor, you know, from 10, 15 years ago is now also in glory. And you're like, what? We, we don't know until we get there. We don't know. Sometimes we can only see what's just right in front of us. Sometimes we can only see what's right there. Sometimes when we hear the enemy ten times over, we can like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty discouraging. I want you to know that lives are being changed. Lives are being changed. The gospel is going forward. doesn't matter if you're wearing a mask. That doesn't hinder the gospel. Lives are being changed. People are coming to faith in Christ. And so because they're so spread out, Nehemiah says, you know what? You need to know God is with you. We're stronger together than we are apart. God is up to something. 
last verse that I share with you is this. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to stir one another up. To stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting meeting together. As is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, you can't be a Christian on your own. You weren't designed for that. You were designed for the body. And, and I know it's tough when, when some people, because of, are at home watching us on a live stream. But we want to encourage you to be connected. To be connected. Oh, you, you can't be here every Sunday. I get that. I understand that. But no, don't neglect being with the body. Don't neglect checking in and saying, you know what, would you pray for me? Because you're going to go through things and I'm going to go through things that we're going to need to encourage one another. We need each other. We're stronger together than we are apart. And he says, don't stop going. Don't stop connecting. Don't just say, well, I'm good on my own. We need each other. I, I need you in my life. You see, because there's days when I'm having maybe a, a tough day or where I'm tired, and somebody just comes in with the right smile, and it's like, yeah, thank you, Jesus. We're, we're called to encourage one another. Oh, you're saying, oh, you can't see my smile because I'm wearing a mask. I see it in your eyes. You can see smiles, and you can see frowns just with the corners of somebody's eyes, somebody's eyes right? If you're smiling, the corner of your eyes go up. Just to give you a hint. They're mad you can see it in their eyes already. We need each other. Let's not let us consider how to stir one another up. How to say, keep going. God's not done. Keep strong. God has this. Keep faithful. God will bring out the end. Amen? Don't you dare give up. Don't give up. We're only halfway. We're only halfway and God has so much more in store. Because it isn't about you, is it? It's about those who come after you. My hope and prayer is this. One of these days when I have grandkids and great-grandkids and if I'm around long enough, great-great-grandkids and around even longer, great-great-great-grandkids, that they say, you know, that grandpa, he loves Jesus. And what I want, I want to live a legacy. Because it's not about me. One of these years, 80 years from now, people will say, yeah, I remember when at our church, there was this guy, he was our pastor. It's like, I don't think any of us are going to be here in 80 years, maybe the little, little ones. But You know, unless God blesses you with a really long life and a good memory. But I want to live my life for Christ. 
I want others to come behind me and say, yeah, he was faithful. They completed the wall. They did complete the wall. Whatever God's doing in your life, he can complete it. Would you let him? Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you. We thank you for absolutely everything. Your word tells us in all things to give thanks. In all things. We thank you, Father, for the million plus individuals that have come to faith over the last number of months. For lives that have been changed and transformed. For for new faith communities that have started around this world. We thank you for lives that have been changed even right here. Even in this neighborhood. Because of your glory. Father, I pray that you would continue to mold us and to shape our lives. Father, help us when we are getting weary and tired of just being halfway done. Help us to understand, God, that you have so much more in store for us. That Holy Spirit is going to come alongside of us and encourage us. Oh, Father, I pray that we'd not give up. But Lord, we'd press on. We'd press in. We'd understand that, Father, you are there to give us strength and help. Father, would you use our lives as a testimony for you and your goodness. Oh, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Would you go with us, Lord, today? Make our lives a blessing. I pray, Father, that we would speak of you often. And we'd point to you always. Use our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Next week we'll pick up back in Nehemiah, and then we'll, in a few weeks, be starting our Advent series. God bless you and go with you.
church, let's ride.